Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Well, I'm glad to be back. How many of you here were, were here last time when I spoke about a month ago? Okay. How many were not here? Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Um, the reason I asked that is because, um, oh, can you put the PowerPoint up? Uh, the reason I mentioned that is because this is kind of an extension of what I talked about last time. Um, not completely. It's, it's kind of part two of that message, but it's a standalone message. So if you weren't here, if you forget, because I mean, come on, it was like a month ago, don't worry. This in and of itself is, is going to be understandable. You don't need the first message. Um, but I thought I'd mention that because if you're interested, uh, the, on Maplecrest website, my message from before is up there on the authority of the believer, praying with the authority of Christ. So what I'm going to be talking about today is on a similar theme, but as you'll see, it's a little bit different. So that message was kind of predicated on um, keys from the uh, teachings of Jesus. What this message is more or less uh, based off of is prayer keys from Paul the Apostle, okay? Um, and so, by the way, I, I mentioned last time, I tend to use a lot of scriptures. And so if, if you're somebody who writes notes, if you want the notes, feel free to just um, give me your email address or something after and I can send them to you. Or you can check out our website, lifeinthespirit.org. That's another way you can contact us. We post all of our messages and stuff. But I didn't know what to title this message, so I decided to go with the incomparably great power for us who believe. And you're going to see uh, why I, met, I named that in a bit. But what I'm going to just show you guys is this slide here. Because if you were here, or if you, how many of you were here uh, during the Thursday night meeting when I talked about healing? A few of you, okay. You might recognize the slide because I talked about some of these things as well. Exercising our authority as believers through the name of Jesus and faith in the prayer of command. That's what I, and praying in and by the Spirit, okay? So first what I want to do before I go into uh, Paul's material is sort of give you just a very brief scriptural basis for the believer's authority. Because what you're going to see is uh, Paul's messages were very much based off of what Jesus taught us in his teachings, okay? And so what I just want to show you, I want to point out a few things. The first scripture I want to point out is this is Jesus when he called the disciples to go and do the stuff, okay? He's, he's commissioning them and he's saying, okay, here you go. I've, and look at what he says. This is the key for today. When Jesus called the 12 together, he, this is Luke 9, by the way, verse 1. When Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them, look at this, power and cure diseases. Okay, so um, some of you might, and, and I, off the bat, I want to make a little bit of a distinction, because you might be like, well, what's the difference between power and authority? They are different, but they're related concepts. The difference is, and I like, I give this analogy, because I heard it years ago, I think it really clarifies uh, the difference. A police officer. Okay? He's standing on the side of the road, and he wants to stop a semi-truck. Semi-truck's coming down the number one highway. A police officer stands out in the middle of the road, puts up his badge, and says, stop in the name of the law. All right. How many of you know the semi-truck could totally plow over the cop? Because he, it has way more power to stop that truck in the name of the law. Okay? In the same way, we have the authority in the name of Jesus to stop all the power of the enemy. You can think of the Emmy as a semi-truck and you're this little cop-out saying, stop in the name of Jesus, and yes, stop, okay? Just to give you some context, Jesus 
commissions the 72, says the same thing, essentially, and go heal the sick everywhere you go, preach the kingdom. Then they go and do the stuff, and they come back very much excited. And they're like, Jesus, look at this. There's Luke 10, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're so excited, right? They're like, this is crazy. Look what Jesus responds. He says in verse 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Look at this. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And look at this. This is amazing. And to overcome all the power of the enemy. All of it. Not some of it. All the power of the enemy. Talking about Satan, right? And nothing will harm you. That's a pretty phenomenal thing, isn't it? As believers in Christ, we have the authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. And so last time I talked mostly is focusing on authority. Today I'm going to focus mostly on power. Both, because they're related. But I want to show you that Paul really took what Jesus said and he, he, he elaborated on it and he made it clear that, look, you guys have unfathomable power in Christ and you need, we need to get a revelation of that. Okay? in order to function and operate how Christ called us to as his ambassadors on the earth. So, the value of our authority rests on the power that's behind the authority, which is God himself. Amazing, right? God himself is the power behind our authority. That's why the Holy Spirit, you often see the power of the Holy Spirit, they go together. Because it's, it's actually the power of God that's behind the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. It's like omnipotent right? Omnipotent. That means no end to the power. It's like all of the power in the universe through God, through Christ, we have at our disposal in his name. The amazing thing is the devil and his forces are obligated to recognize our authority. So that's like the 72, like Jesus, I'll have to say in the name of Jesus, get out and they have to obey. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's right. Because we're doing it in his name. It's not by our own authority. That's the key. That's why we actually say in the name of Jesus, right? So, The believers who thoroughly understand that the power of God is backing them can exercise their authority and face the enemy fearlessly. That's why Jesus says that. He's like, nothing will harm you. You have nothing to be afraid of. Now, the question you might have then is like, okay, well, how do I get that revelation of the power and authority that I have in Christ? Like, all of this seems so unbelievable sometimes, right? It's hard. That's why we're called to have faith. It's like, how is it possible that I have the power over, or authority over all the power of the enemy? That means we have authority over all diseases, all sicknesses, all the stuff, right? We can cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick. How is, and it's hard to come to terms with sometimes, right? And that's a major key because Jesus says that, right? We talked about last time, Mark 11, where Jesus says, if you say to this mountain, go cast yourself in the sea, and what the key is if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe what you say will happen, it'll be done. The key is you can't doubt. We need to have faith. Okay, so then it's like, well, how do I get this revelation? How do I get that faith? Fortunately, the book of Ephesians gives us a whole bunch of keys, a whole bunch of revelation of our authority in Christ and the power we have resident in us so that we can overcome the devil. And so today what I want to do is really focus on some key aspects from the book of Ephesians to talk about that. And then I'm going to give you an example, because Jesus is our example of how he did this very thing. Okay, he actually demonstrated to us how we overcome the power of the enemy. Okay, and so I'm going to save that for the end after I talk about the book of Ephesians. So, that's where I'm going now. 
Understanding the believer's authority, keys from the apostolic prayers. How many of you have heard the term apostolic prayers before? Okay, about half. For those of you who don't know the terminology, you know what they are. They're essentially the Bibles that are, the Bibles, <laughs> the prayers of the apostles that are in the Bible. There's several of them. There's about 20 or so in the New Testament. And what I love about the apostolic prayers, there's a few things. I love them. And one of the reasons I love them is because they give us a key. They give us an insight into how Paul the apostle actually prayed. It's a phenomenal thing because he prayed really bold prayers. He prayed really crazy prayers, things that I wouldn't even think of praying, praying for. And so it gives us a sort of insight. It's like, wow, this is the kinds of things Paul prayed for. Why not pray them ourselves? That's one thing I want to advertise these things. There's no reason that we shouldn't take these prayers, because think about it. God apparently liked these prayers so much that he's like, I like those prayers. I'm going to canonize those prayers in Scripture for eternity, right? It's like, these are good prayers. Why not pray them for yourself? Why not pray them for your loved ones, right? So part of my agenda here is to advertise these and to say, hey, look, we might as well pray these for ourselves. There must be a reason they're in the Bible, right? And we can, there's no reason you can't take them and pray them for themselves. But what I want to do in addition to that is actually go through the prayers and highlight some key characteristics, talking about the power that we have in Christ, okay? So what I'm going to do is start in the first apostolic prayer in the book of Ephesians. If you don't know, this is the address, Ephesians 1, 16 through 23. And so I'm going to just start off and point out a few things. Paul starts off saying, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And look at what he, he, then he says what he prayed for them. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit, capital S, of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Okay, there's three things I want to point out here. First of all, Paul is, Paul is using the sword of the Spirit right now. What do I mean by that? This is actually alluding to a scripture. Does anyone know what scripture Paul's using here from the Old Testament? Anyone? That's okay, I'll show you. Isaiah. This is a messianic prophecy talking about the ultimate man of the Spirit, the Messiah, who's Jesus Christ, the anointed one, anointed with the Spirit of God. Okay, so look at this prophecy. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, talking about Jesus, obviously. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Look at the seven spirit of God. You, if you ever see, you know in the book of Revelation where it says the seven spirits of God? If that's ever confused you, it's, this is, it's actually referencing this scripture. Okay? The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Look at this. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, or understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he'll delight in the fear of the Lord. So Paul's actually saying, look, I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom and understanding will fill you so that you'll know God more. And what's interesting, this isn't the only time he does this. Look at this. This is one of his prayers in Colossians. He starts off the same way. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all of the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. He's alluding to that scripture again. What's the point? Praying the scriptures is a powerful thing to do, and Paul himself did it. He's demonstrating that to us, right? Notice also, he starts off most of these prayers that I'm going over today in regards to being filled with the Spirit in different ways. Okay? So, 
That's one point I want to point out from that is using Scripture, praying the Scripture. It's a powerful thing because we know, it says in John 5, that if we pray according to God's will, we know He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we have whatever we ask of Him. How many of you know the Scriptures are God's will? Meaning, if you pray the Scriptures, guaranteed they're going to get answered. Guaranteed they're going to get answered. That's another thing in 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, no matter how many promises God's made, they're what? All yes in Christ. All of them. Every single promise you can find in the Scripture, the answer is yes. God doesn't waver. He doesn't say, maybe I'll answer that. Maybe I won't. No, it's yes in Christ. Then it says, through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Meaning we actually have to pray them. We actually have to come in agreement and say amen to those promises. So that's, again, why these apostolic prayers, you might as well pray them. They're going to be answered, guaranteed. All right, so going on to verse 18, he, he goes on now. now th- this, is, this is crazy. Often we read the Scripture, and we don't, this is crazy what Paul's praying, and I'm going to show you why in a minute. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. How many of you recognize that verse? Open the eyes of my heart. Right? We all know that verse. Look at what Paul's actually, why is Paul praying that? Why? Is, why? Look at this. So that, in order that, I, so it's like, hey, spirit of wisdom and revelation, you need this. You need the revelation. You need your hearts to be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now that's talking about eternity. That's talking about the hope to which he's called us, the resurrection, all the stuff. But this is what I want to focus on today for the, for the purpose of this message. And look at this. His incomparably great power for us who believe. It takes a revelation, is what Paul's saying. I pray that your hearts would be open, that you would be enlightened, so that you would understand this crazy power you have for every believer. Okay, now, the reason this is crazy, you might be like, that's not a big deal. It is. And the reason it is, look at what he says after. This is what's crazy, okay? He defines this power now, okay? This is why it needs a revelation. That power that's resident in you is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. And look at this. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The power that's resident in you is the same that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God above everything above all the rules, above all the principalities, above all the darkness in this world. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is in every single one of you if you believe. Okay? It's not just words on a page, it's reality. And, and think about how Jesus said the same thing. I've given you authority to overcome what? All the power of the enemy. Paul's saying this, but elaborating on how, what, the, what this means. Right? It's amazing. So, now I'm going to fast forward just four verses, just for the sake of time. But, you know, we often like, the, the, chapter breaks weren't in the original letter. You guys know that, right? Okay. So, yeah, granted this is chapter two. This is the same stuff Paul just keeps talking in this letter. This is just four verses later. Look at this. But because of his, this is Ephesians 2, 4 to 6 now. 
But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. We all know that verse. And God, look at this, raised us up with Christ and seated him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Present tense. Okay? What's this saying? This passage deals with the conferring of authority of all on all believers. Remember what we just read. Jesus is what? At the right hand of God above everything. Above all the rules and authorities, dominion, and power. What this is saying is we're actually seated with him at the right hand of God. That's, not what, that's what it's saying, right? In the heavenly realms. Every single believer positionally is in that place in the authority of Christ. So positionally, we're there right now. We're seated with Christ with, in the, with his authority in the heavenly places because he conferred it upon us. Okay. Now, so we got that. That's, again, what Jesus said in, in Luke 10, 19. Now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit to Paul's second prayer. But the book of Ephesians is amazing. I recommend it if you, if you haven't read it in a while. Because there's two major apostolic prayers, and they're both amazing. Look at this one. So this is Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And Paul's praying again. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom, from whom rather every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. Look at this. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So not only does Paul pray in the first prayer that we get the revelation of the incomparably great power for all of us who believe in, he defines what that power is. Now he's saying, I pray that God strengthens you with the power through his spirit. Notice again the Holy Spirit. Starts off his, his prayer in that way. In your inter- and, and I'm emphasizing these things because it's going to culminate in chapter 6, and you're gonna, I'm going to draw back to these, so you'll see why I'm making a deal out of this. Okay, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, look at this again, may have power together with all the saints to grasp, again, revelation, though how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, look at this, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How many of you want to be filled with the measure? How, what does that even mean? <laughs> Like, what does that even look like? Can you even imagine what the fullness of God is? And Paul, look at how bold Paul's prayers are. This is like what Jesus says in, in Luke 11, verse 8. It's like, because of your shameless audacity, you're going to get whatever you want. Paul was really shamelessly audacious, wasn't he, in his prayers? The fullness of God. Like, if that were, it's like, okay, okay. This again, why not pray this for yourself? This is stuff we could all pray for, Right? power, fullness of God. Now look at this. If that wasn't enough, look at what Paul says in the very next verse. Verse 20. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to, look, his power that's resident within us, to him be glory in church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What? <laughs> like, okay, okay. Like, what, I just asked the question, what, does, what is the fullness of God? Like, what, like, can we even think? Paul's saying God can even do beyond filling you with the fullness of God, apparently. He can do beyond what you can even ask or even imagine. So it's like maybe some of you have some prophetic words where you're like, oh, man, that seems too lofty. Like, I'm called to be an evangelist, to preach to thousands or millions maybe, and no, I can't be right. It's like God can do beyond that. That's like small, like if you can even think it, he's saying God can do beyond what you can think. It's amazing. It's like, what? 
How? According to the power that's within you. Like, what? Again, it, it, it's like you need that revelation, but that's how powerful the power is that res- is resident within us. He can do beyond according to that power. Again, that's why Paul prays for that revelation. It's phenomenal. So as believers, Christ's incomparably great power and authority belongs to us whether we realize it or not. Right? It's like, it's like you know, it's like, Imagine that some, some relative of yours left you an inheritance of $10 million, but you weren't told that you have this inheritance and it's just sitting there. You could access it at any time if someone would just tell you, look, like a lawyer would get a hold of you, you have this inheritance. But a lot of believers just walk around. We have this like $10 million bank account, so to speak, right? We have access anytime through Christ. It's just a matter of doing it. It's a matter of actually applying these things and stepping out of them, and God will back it up. He promises to, okay? So just knowing it isn't enough. You have to actually, so say hypothetically, it's like, hey, by the way, a lawyer gets a hold of you, you have $10 million in the bank. Oh, that's nice. And then you just go the rest of your life, never access it. It's like you actually have to access it, right? It's the same thing here. It's like just knowing about this isn't enough. You actually have to do something with that authority that's been given to you. Then the question is, well, but what? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Last time we talked about, okay, authority in the prayer of command, the prayer of faith and command, and dealing with, because Jesus tells us what? To heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, uh, freely you receive, freely you give. So those are the kinds of things you do with his authority. You demonstrate the kingdom. But the Bible says he wants us to rule and reign in life through Christ. And so anything Anything that's dealing with circumstances, whatever, like peace be still to the storm, all that stuff, you can use the authority of Christ and the power of Christ to do something with it. Now, I want to focus on something really specific, how to defeat the devil. I want to talk about the armor of God, but I want you guys to think this is, or to to pretend this is the first time you've ever heard this stuff, okay? Because I'm sure you've, how many of you have ever heard a teaching on the armor of God? Yeah. Now, that's fine. Just pretend you've never heard this before, okay? Because I, the, thing, the thing that... I want to be nice. The thing that... No, it's, I, I, can be, I can be nice. The thing that... I think we have to spiritualize things. That was, that's actually a very, very practical teaching. Very, very practical teaching. The armor of God isn't some spiritual pie-in-the-sky thing where... And if you do that, you can put on the armor of God every day. Some people do that. Whatever. It's actually really practical. And I want to show you Jesus actually used the armor of God when he, to defeat the devil. Okay? So what I'm going to do is go over the scripture. I'm going to connect it to some of the prayers Paul made. And then I'm going to show you how Jesus used it himself. So the scripture is clear how we defeat the devil. Okay, so there's a couple of verses. One's in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, where it says, resist the devil, and he, right, and stand firm in your faith, and he'll flee from you. There's another scripture in James 4, 17, I think I'm going to talk about it later. But anyway, the scripture's clear how we, how we defeat the devil. First of all, you stand firm in your faith, the shield of faith. Second is you counterattack with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. That's your offensive weapon. That's the only weapon in the armor of God. And, and the third that Paul gives us is praying in the spirit. So here we go in Ephesians 6, starting in, in verse 10. Finally, this is so he, Paul's ending the, the letter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Okay, so we already talked about that. Paul prays that we'd have the revelation of his power and also that you'd be strengthened with his power. So it's like Paul's like, hey, stand firm in that power that, that you have. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Does that sound familiar to you? If it doesn't, I'm going to show you. Let's backtrack, rewind to Ephesians 1. Remember when Paul defines the power we have? Look at what he says. Okay? That power in us is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above the exact same things. All rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that's invoked, in the, not only in this age, but the age to come. Look, Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against the but against the rules, authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Same wording. So Paul prayed that you would have a revelation that you have power over all this stuff. You don't have to be afraid about these rulers and authorities and principalities and whatever else because you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms far above all these things. Not only that, in Ephesians 2, 4-6, you are seated with Christ in that place. So you have the authority, you have the power to overcome all the power of the evil one. All right, so Paul's alluding to this, reminding them, look, I already told you, you have power over all this stuff. Now, of course, you still have to struggle because we're in the present evil age, but we need to understand, but we have authority and a power over all of these things. So our combat with the devil should always be with the knowledge that we have authority over him because he's defeated and the Lord Jesus Christ defeated him. Look at this. Colossians 2.15, you had having, look at this, disarmed the powers and the authorities, same language, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We have that same authority. And, and Jesus commissions us in the Great Commission to go overcome all the power of the enemy, right, to do, do everything he commanded us, which is to say, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. Make disciples and teach them to do the same thing. All right, so now moving on, Ephesians 6, now we're in verse 13. Therefore, he reminds them again, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. So remember, you got to stand firm. Stand firm then. Now this is the armor of God. Remember, it's very practical, very practical. The belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, and this is what I'm going to focus on today, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. And then pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, like Paul does. He starts off almost every single one of his letters with a prayer and thanksgiving. This is why he says in 1 Thessalonians 5 to what? Pray continually, be thankful in all circumstances, rejoice always, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul prayed all the time. You can, I get a kick out of it in 1 Corinthians 14 when he says, I thank God I pray more than all of you. <laughs> 
It's like the Corinthians were going nuts, praying in tongues all the time, and that's what Paul had to do is put, get some correction because they were so into tongues. And Paul had the audacity to be like, hey, I think I pray more than all of you guys combined. He prayed all the time, right? Okay, look at this. Talking about the armor of God being practical, talking about the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, how to defeat the enemy, Jesus is our example. He actually used the, the armor of God. Okay, and when I show you the scriptures, you can be like, hey, I know that. I can, you may, many of you might already have it memorized. But I want you to, this is why I want you to think of this in a new way if you haven't thought of it in this way before. Okay? So what I'm going to do is start off in Matthew 3. This is where Jesus gets baptized, 16 and 17. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. Okay? So I want you to know this is the context. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is important, this is my Son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Remember that, this is my Son. Okay, now, very next verse, Matthew 4, 1 to 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil talking about how to defeat the devil, talking about the armor of God. So after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Go figure. <laughs> it kind of goes without saying, but sure, okay, he was hungry. Very hungry, obviously. So look at this. The tempter came to him and said, now look at this. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Remember with the, with the armor of God, the shield of faith does what? extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is a flaming arrow that needs to be extinguished. If you're the son of God, do this. That's the temptation. Now, look how Jesus answers, talking about the sword of the Spirit. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Shield of faith, Sword of the Spirit, okay? Now, I want to point out something here. The enemy was tempting Jesus in two ways. Okay, think about this. The first was to question his identity as the Son of God and to get him to prove, right, that he was, so if you're the Son of God, think about that is the Word of God. That's why I started off Matthew. What did God just say 40 days earlier? This is my Son. The devil comes if you're the son, right? Getting him to question his identity. Does not sound familiar? What do you say to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? It's the same thing in a different way, right? The, the, the devil doesn't do anything because he know, gets us to question the word. This, in this case, the personal word from God himself. If you're the son, then do this. That's the first temptation to prove that he is who he, God said he is. The second was to turn the stone to bread because he was hungry, too Two temptations. You see that? Look at this. Jesus was really wise. Go figure. The personification of wisdom. Jesus shows us how to defeat the devil's attack with the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Look at what he does. With one scripture, he actually extinguishes both temptations. Okay? What he does is he quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. Jesus extinguished both temptations and counterattacked the devil with the sword of the spirit. Look at this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, hunger temptation, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, identity temptation. 
Okay, because the, the word that came to him from God was, you're my son. So with one scripture, it's like, bam, bam, counterattack. It's written this, right? <laughs> it's like ninja Jesus. <laughs> okay, so I, this is just what I have written here, right? It's like, this is my son. So th it's this personal word that came from God's mouth that he's choosing to live on. But not only that, Jesus is living off God's word from the scripture. See that? Both of those. So there's a lot of things happening at the same time. So Jesus is trusting in God's personal word about his identity, the shield of faith, and he's using the word of scripture as his sword to defeat Satan. Okay, well then, then Satan's very sneaky. Okay, so he comes back. Did I skip? No, okay. He took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Look at, look at this. Now the devil's using scripture. <laughs> He's a sneaky devil. Okay? Like, how many of you know the devil can use scripture out of context to deceive people? This is a clear example of that. Which is a tragedy because this is Psalm 91. How many of you know Psalm 91? Okay, if you don't, look it up, pray that for yourself. That's one of the golden scriptures for protection and all the stuff. So Satan's using this now. He's like, look at, well, hey, Jesus, it's written. He'll command your angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that it'll not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, look at this. It's also written, talking about the sword of the Spirit, do not put the Lord your God to the test. All right? All right, last but not least, verse 8, again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give to you, said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan. What is that from last time? There's a prayer of command, resisting, right? Authority and command. Same way you deal with demons. Get away from me, Satan, for it's written. Again, the sword of the Spirit. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13. Then what happened? The devil left him. He defeated him. With what? Shield of faith, sword of the spirit. That's how we do it. That's how we do warfare. That's why in the, really Ephesians is a war manual, right? And so when Paul talks about the armor of God, super practical. This is how we do it. Thankfully, Jesus demonstrated it in this example. Okay. So, important point. I want to... I want to point this out. If Jesus, who was the word, how many know Jesus is the word, had to take a stand on it is written, how much more do we need to stand on it is written? Think about it. If Jesus had to use the scripture to defeat the devil like that, or he chose to, how much more should we be doing that? Yeah? Sword of the Spirit. Okay, so all three times the devil tempted Jesus, he used the shield of faith to extinguish each temptation, fought back with the sword of the Spirit. That's why it's like, if you're, if you're believing God for something specific, a good thing to ask yourself, what scripture are you standing on? What scriptural promise are you standing on to defeat the devil with? Maybe it's healing. Okay, what's, what scripture are you going to use as a sword to defeat him when he comes to try and convince you you're not healed or that healing's not for today or that God might heal some but not you? No. It is written... 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I was healed, and if I was healed, I am healed, devil, get away from me, <laughs> or whatever, right? Sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith, extinguishing that flaming arrow 
And again, it can be personal words that God gave you, prophecies, whatever. It's like, are you really called to be an evangelist? How is it that you're working at McDonald's then? Huh? That's the kind of thing the devil would say, right? No, devil, God told me that I'm called to be an evangelist in Jesus' name. I will be an evangelist, and that's true, right? Whatever. That's just an example, but okay. All right, so not only did Jesus use Scripture, look, he used the prayer of command. I said that, away from me, Satan, at the last temptation. James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. That's what happened. Jesus resisted using the shield of faith, sword of the spirit. Finally, the devil left him. All right, so this is how we resist and defeat the devil. Use the shield of faith to extinguish the lies. Use the sword of the spirit, scriptural and personal words. Use faith in the prayer of command to counterattack. Okay, pretty sh- hopefully that's pretty. Sh- that's just a summary of what we just talked about. Last but not least, I want to talk just quickly. I'm not going to be able to do justice for the sake of time, but I do. This warrants at least mentioning because it's super important. Praying in and by the Spirit. So I'm going to just end Ephesians six now. Look how Paul ends. So I'll just start at verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Okay, so Paul, like I said earlier, Paul did it himself apparently where it's like, I speak in tongues more than all of you combined. Foo, right? Mic drop. (laughs) And so he's telling us to do the same. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Look at how much he's saying to pray. And he used this as an example throughout the letter. We showed you all the prayers he had in the letter itself. For all the Lord's people, pray also for me that when I speak, words may be given to me so that I'll fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fiercely as I should. Bottom line, Paul urges all believers to use the two spirit weapons as they engage the enemy, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and praying in or by the spirit. This is how we engage the enemy. This is how we defeat the enemy. Okay, so praying in the Spirit is his provision for his people in the ongoing struggle against principalities and powers. And this is why Paul exhorts us all in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, and 9. I think that's the reference. But when he says to pray continually, right? That's what we're supposed to do. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We actually should be doing that. And this is how we overcome, okay? All right, so summary slide here. Exercising our authority. Last time we talked about the name of Jesus, faith and prayer to the command. So if you want, like I said, you can check out Maple Crest website. The, the, it's on there, our website, lifeinthespirit.org. This time we talked about the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, praying in and by the Spirit, keys to defeating the enemy. All right, amen? Amen. So what I'm going to do is end on this prayer. I wanted to at least advertise this prayer. I alluded to it earlier, but I'm going to pray this for all of us, and then we're going to do a song. But I'm going to pray this for us because one of the most, so we used to be pastors, one of the most common requests I got, but we'd always do ministry time after, it's like I'm making a major decision what I want to know God's will for my life. How many of you can relate to that? Especially younger people when they're deciding things like who to marry, what job to do, where to move, whatever. But we all know it's like what's God's will? Most of the time I would throw them this scripture as, hey, if you don't know God's will, pray this. Because this is what the prayer is for, okay? That's how Paul starts off here, right? 
Continually, continually, continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That's the whole point. So that, and then he goes on to say, what happens if you live according to God's will by his Spirit? But I'm going to pray that for us, and then we'll do, some, we'll do another song. Okay, so if you want to just get in a posture of receiving this prayer, if, however that looks. So Father, I just thank you so much for the scripture, for the sword of the spirit, for your word, Lord. And I just ask for a greater revelation of the power, the incomparably great power for us who believe. I ask, Lord, that this would become reality and that you would show us how to, in our own individual circumstances and lives, to apply the revelation that Jesus showed us with the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, that you would give us the specific swords, so to speak, the scriptures that we should use in our own lives, in our own circumstances to defeat the enemy. And Lord, I just can ask you to fill us all with the knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and understanding that your spirit gives so that we may live a life worthy of you and please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience. And we just give joyful thanks to you, Father, who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. We thank you that you've rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son you love and whom we have redemptions. Redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name, amen.